We are going to read from the Bible now. Uh, This morning there are two passages we're going to look at. The first one is from the book of Proverbs. So um, if you have a Bible with you, feel free to open that up and have a a read through and follow on, Um, especially if you're at home and you have access to one. It should be up on the screen as well, so you can follow on there as well. But um, as we go through Proverbs 9, have a think about... uh, the way the author's personifying both wisdom and folly. So we want to talk about two things here. So let me read Proverbs 9. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple... Let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will, he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise... You are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. Um, sorry, just died. She's seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, Let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasure. But he who does not know that the dead are there, oh, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Um, The second passage we're going to look at comes from Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Um, And this is Paul, the apostle, speaking, or writing, actually. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But... We impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, 
which God decreed before the ages of our glory, ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. That may not work. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you all here. Uh, thanks. While Tom's doing that, I'll just say hi. Uh, it's great to be back again and great to see you guys. Uh, can I say Happy New Year? I haven't seen you since uh, before Christmas, and so it, well, we'll, we'll move over to this one. Uh, so it is really good to see you and to be with you again this morning. Great to gather as God's people, isn't it? And uh, what a privilege that even though in the midst of all the changes, we can continue together as God would want us to do. Uh, and can I say, it has been incredibly sad to say goodbye to Josh and Nikki, but it's such a delight and we're so thankful to God for Josh and Zoe and the way that he's brought them to us. Uh, we've been incredibly impressed and thankful for the way God has already used them, even though they haven't started work until today. Uh, they've been a great blessing to us already and so we're just looking forward to getting to know them better and better and we do hope that they'll enjoy uh, community life with us as we make them feel welcome uh, as you guys always make people feel welcome. So it's good to be here. We're, we're looking at Proverbs 9 this morning as we continue our series in wisdom. Uh, I'm going to pray and then uh, let's, we'll have a look at it together. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful day. Thanks that the sun is shining. Uh, thank you, Father, for the rain that we've had and the evidence of that all around. Thank you, Lord God, for your goodness to us, especially as we reflect on the Lord Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour. Uh, we pray, Lord God, this morning as we reflect on uh, wisdom, particularly the wisdom that we read in the book of Proverbs, and particularly as it points us to you. We pray, Lord God, that we would know you clearer, understand you better, and submit ourselves to your will for our lives, as we should. In Jesus' name. Amen. I was reminded this week of uh, a guy by the name of Alan Bond. Uh, some of you, I imagine, will remember Alan Bond. He's one of those kind of iconic Australian figures uh, featured in uh, the, uh, the America's Cup, which uh, when Australia kind of had the winged keel for the first time on their yachts, and for the first time in, I think, about 142 years, might, that might be a wrong number, but 100 and something years, they beat America in the America's Cup. And so he was a hero, and Bob Hawke thought he was fantastic, and, uh, and so he kind of rub shoulders with the best of them, but uh, Bob, uh, sorry, but uh, Alan Bond's story took a very uh, downward turn in that he ended up in prison for fraud in his businesses. And he was in, a, in jail, and I heard this story about him being in jail, they reminded me about it this week, I heard this story about him being in jail, uh, and clearly he was a bit of a marked man, he was a wealthy man, a marked man in jail, and he was lining up for the servery to have his meal uh, served to him. And there's this massive guy who was serving the meal that day, uh, a tough guy, and he gets this whole pot of stuff when, when Alan Bond comes past with his, his plate, and he tips it all on his plate, so it just falls off the edges and all that kind of stuff. It was uh, one of those moments where everyone's watching what's going to happen in this space. And uh, Alan, uh, sorry, Alan Bond very carefully said, well, I heard the food was good here. I just didn't know the helpings were so good. Now, you've got to admit, that was a very smart uh, way to handle a potentially very difficult situation. 
Uh, so is Alan Bond a wise man? Well, let's just wait and see. The generation in which we live today is the most prolific of all generations. Uh, we have more university graduates than ever before today. And yet, while there is knowledge streaming out of us in so many different ways, uh, we have people achieving bachelor degrees, uh, and yet increasingly, if you want to get a good job in our world today, you can't just have a bachelor degree, you've got to have a master's or maybe even a doctorate. Um, and in one sense, we see knowledge in our world exploding. We travel further and fly higher than any previous generation in history. We accumulate data as never before. The cyber world is advancing at almost the speed of light. And yet, while knowledge is increasing, I think it's probably fair to say that wisdom is decreasing, certainly in some parts of our world. Many lives are in shambles. Suicide rates are higher than ever before. Morality is scoffed at. Divorce claims almost half of those who are married. Our attitudes to sex and sexuality are devastatingly destructive. There's an ever-increasing breakdown of trust in our society. And so while we possess great knowledge, we must admit that we're missing one very important ingredient, as wisdom. And one quote I read said this, never mistake knowledge for wisdom. One helps you make a living, the other helps you make a life. It's kind of the idea that we saw last week when we looked at Proverbs chapter 1 with Kurt. Uh, wisdom is not simply intelligence. It's not directly related to your IQ. The basic idea is that wisdom is the skill of living. It's a practical knowledge that helps a person to know how to act and how to speak in different situations. Uh, it includes the ability to avoid problems uh, and the skill to handle them when they present themselves. Wisdom is the word that the Bible uses to describe the person who navigates life well. But it's more than that, isn't it? We saw that last week. Because we saw last time that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God is, is actually just recognising that he is the creator and we are the creature. We recognise that this is God's world and that he has ordered, ordered life's relationships and patterns. <clears throat> and so being wise is not simply about observing that there is order in the world. It's about being in relationship with the one who gave the world order. See, that's when we start to deal with the real world and know how to live wisely in it. And it's why Kurt last week took us to Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12, and showed us how wisdom starts with worship. Wisdom begins when you place God at the centre of your world. In fact, the Bible teaches that to ignore God is, in fact, to reject true wisdom. Uh, in chapters 1 to 8 of Proverbs, uh, the case has been made for choosing, choosing wisdom over folly. Uh, Kurt helped us to see that clearly last week. And so we come to chapter 9 today of Proverbs and the reader is presented with a choice. That is, that there are two ways to live. And the way that choice is actually presented is in a whole lot of twos here, you might have noticed. Uh, there are two women to choose from, woman wisdom and woman folly. There are two houses that belong one to each woman. There are two meals prepared by the women. There are two invitations made, one by each woman to the same audience. 
There are two responses possible and there are two outcomes depending on which woman is responded to. However, despite the, the different ways the choice is presented, there are ultimately only two ways. The way of wisdom or the way of folly. And the choice the reader is asked to make is, with whom will you dine? Now let's just take a moment to have a closer look at the way of wisdom here in this passage. I'm going to pick it up from verse 1 of chapter 9. So if you've got it there, or it'll probably be on the screen. <clears throat> wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Notice here that wisdom is personified here as a woman. Uh, she's an industrious woman who has built her house and prepared a lavish banquet for those who will accept her invitation to dine. Uh, to enter wisdom's house is to live in a rich dwelling. Uh, some of the earlier chapters actually talk about how brilliant William, woman wisdom actually is. Uh, have a look there on the screen at chapter 3, uh, verses 13 to 18, and then we'll have a look at chapter 4 as well. But chapter 3, verse 13, Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. Or in, in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 5, Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly and she will exalt you. She will honour you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland and she will bestow on you a beautiful crown. You see, here is a, a father urging his son, whatever you do, get wisdom. Nothing you desire can compare with her. That's what these uh, first nine chapters of Proverbs are about. A father urging his son to run as fast as he can from folly, or from foolishness, into the life-giving arms of woman wisdom. You know, Proverbs gives us a, a deeper understanding of what wisdom is by the words that it actually associates with it. So it, it uses words like insight, understanding, discretion, discernment, prudence. And there are ethical terms that are keep, continue to be associated with it, things like righteousness and justice, virtue. In other words, wisdom means recognising the true nature of a situation and thus being able to speak and act in an appropriate way. It means having the ability to differentiate the right way to handle life from the wrong way. It means carefully considering a situation before rushing in. And it recognises that there is an ethical quality to wise living. The wise are on the side of what is good and true and righteous. And so now in chapter 9, Woman Wisdom makes an offer, her offer to the young man, to the reader, 
to come and dine with her, to embrace her. You see there in verse 4 of chapter 9, she gives the invitation, whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Now there are, there are kind of sensual overtones uh, in these verses which we understand when we realise that at one level, the reader is a young man beginning his journey in life. And the idea of coming in to share in the banquet uh, that she's prepared is this idea of relationship. So in the ancient Near East, uh, to, to share in a meal with someone was to enter into relationship with them. And so the idea here is to embrace wisdom, to enter into a lifelong relationship with her. It's to hear her instruction and to follow her ways because the one who does, as chapter 8 verse 35 says, will find life and obtain favour from the Lord. Let's just uh, have a closer look then at her audience here. Notice here that her invitation is to whoever is simple or to him who lacks sense. Now it links well, I think, to the idea of the young man, those two things. Uh, the simple, though, can I say in this passage, are neither wise nor foolish. In a sense, they're just unformed or perhaps they're immature. They can do stupid things, but they're not essentially like the fool or the scoffer. Uh, there is one major difference between the fool or the scoffer and the one who is simple-minded here, and it can actually be summed up in one word, and that is teachability. Fools despise wisdom and discipline, but the simple-minded will at least listen. And that doesn't mean that Proverbs is only for the simple. Um, the wise and the mature will go on increasing in wisdom as they remain in relationship with woman wisdom. In other words, if they go on in their relationship with God, that's what he's really talking about. Because woman wisdom is the personification of God's wisdom. And so Proverbs is actually for everyone with one notable exception, and that is the fool. In fact, the fool excludes himself because he doesn't fear the Lord. There's no wisdom without God. And so the wise person must be open to God's fundamental role in the world and in their lives. The fool is, is excluded because as we read in Psalm chapter 14 verse 1, where it tells us that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Now that's consistent with the two responses that we read in verses 7 to 9 that can be made to woman wisdom's invitation. Let me just pick it up there from verse 7. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Now these uh, verses are indicative of the two ways that a person can respond to God's wisdom. The scoffer or the fool won't have a bar of it. He's defensive or abusive. He'll be offended by the suggestion that he's wrong and that the wisdom of God is the way to walk. On the other hand, the wise person will be seen to be wise by their teachability uh, and their desire to increase in learning. They're humble and ready to learn. They're not proud. And so the attitude of the wise is to accept 
godly correction because they will become even wiser. And in verses 11 and 12, we see the outcome of the wise response to woman's wisdom's invitation. See what he says there, verse 11? For by me, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. And the Proverbs were written to God's people, the, the Israelites, the Jews. Uh, and for the Jewish person, living God's way in God's world in right relationship to him meant long life. God had made promises to Israel that if they believed him, trusted him, obeyed him, they would live long in the land that he had given them. And that promise is even more impressive for us today as Christians because God doesn't simply add years and blessing to our lives as we obey him now. He doesn't even promise that directly for us in here and now. He promised that for Israel. But better still, he gives us eternal life as we take up that invitation of woman wisdom to fear the Lord, to trust in him and be wise. Well, that brings us to the, the second and final section of chapter 9, uh, picking up from verse 13 through to 18 as we look at woman, woman folly. Let me look at verse 13. <clears throat> the woman folly is loud, she is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and the bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. You see here the alternative to woman wisdom stakes her claim, she's woman folly. Uh, note the similarities, she too has a house and a meal to offer. Uh, she too takes, uh, makes an invitation to the same audience, the simple, to come in and dine with her and to experience her bounty. Uh, only here there are some significant differences, aren't there? For a start, woman folly is loud, she's brash. And she's manipulative and coercive, she sticks her nose in where it shouldn't be. She's ignorant, and worse, she's ignorant of being ignorant. She's the complete opposite of wisdom. As well as those things, woman wisdom and woman folly have the same audience. That is, young men on the path of life, immature, still in the process of development and therefore at a critical moment of decision. But beneath the imagery, what we need to see is that we are all a part of the audience who was addressed by these two women. Everyone has to answer this question. Everyone has to heed this call. All of us need to place ourselves in the position of that unformed audience. And we need to make a decision. Follow wisdom or follow folly. Both want a relationship with the reader, but the difference is in what they offer. See, wisdom, a fine banquet, folly, stolen water, bread eaten in secret. We saw earlier the nature of this fine banquet that wisdom offers. It's insight and understanding and discretion and discernment and prudence. It's, it's righteousness and justice and virtue. It's navigating life in the best possible way. Whereas folly, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. It fails to understand the true nature of God's world. It's ignorant and unstable. It's arrogant and senseless. It loves wrongdoing and wickedness. It spreads trouble and discord. It's perverse. It deceives and is deceived. And all we need to do is 
I guess, uh, today is open any old news feed and we have all the evidence we need that so many people are blindly embracing the invitation of woman folly. And it's tragic to read the results. The human pain and anguish unleashed by our arrogant foolishness. We think we know better than God. Albert Einstein made the point, the difference between genius and stupidity is that genius has its limits. You know, the strength of uh, woman folly's temptation here is that they're forbidden pleasures. Uh, the power of sin comes alive in us when it's provoked like that, just as uh, you might remember, uh, like you see a child and they're told, not, they're told what not to do and they do it just because they're told not to do it. As one commentator said, Ah, sinner, there is no such thing as secret sin. All is exposed before God's eye. And I said before that uh, woman wisdom is the personification of God's wisdom. But just as true is that woman folly is the personification of sin and idolatry and the devil. And sin is no less keen to destroy us than wisdom is to save us. Well, here's the point. And both these women want relationship and they compete for our attention. Uh, Proverbs makes it clear that this decision is a matter of life or death. The question is, with which woman will you dine? Wisdom or folly? And ultimately, it's a question that is asked of every single one of us. But it's not just a question simply of whether I want to live this life well and with integrity as opposed to living foolishly. That, I take it, would be what most people want. Wisdom is available to those who want to receive it, Proverbs 9 says. But how do I get it? Well, notice it's a call. It's an invitation that you need to respond to. As Kurt reminded us last week, it's a gift that is being offered to us that we can receive. It's whether you want to be related to the wise one or the foolish one. And when we read the New Testament, we understand that choice much more clearly. Because the New Testament, including the passage we read today in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it tells us that Jesus himself, God's son, is the embodiment of the wisdom of God. The choice that stands before us in Proverbs 9, embodied in woman wisdom and woman folly, is do we dine with Jesus or the devil? See, Jesus makes that invitation even more clearly. Will you follow me, he says. In John's Gospel, Jesus speaks to every one of us here in this room today when he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, the only way to live this life well and with integrity is to be in relationship with the only truly wise one, with the Lord Jesus Christ. To be in a relationship with Jesus and and received the gift of life he offers to every single person is the way that we become wise because we live the way God has called us to live. And Sir James Simpson understood that well. Sir James Simpson was uh, the person who discovered chloroform. It was a magnificent discovery because it revolutionised medicine. Before that find, any kind of surgery was a nightmare. And, and so because of this revolutionary discovery, uh, the Chicago Natural History Museum honoured him by placing a kind of a larger-than-life photo of him on the wall at the entrance of their medical research section. 
Anyway, on one occasion, a reporter was interviewing the famous researcher. Uh, and his first question was, Sir James, uh, would you please tell me what you consider to be your most important discovery? His immediate response was, my most important discovery was when I found out that I was a sinner in the sight of a holy God. Well, the journalist was obviously a little bit startled by that, taken back, pretty sure it wasn't going to get his article printed. So he tried again. He said, thank you, Sir James. Now would you please tell me what you consider to be your second most important discovery? The famous scientist replied, young man, my second most important discovery was when I found out that Jesus died for a sinner like me. So James had found wisdom. He had found life. And he had obtained the favour of the Lord. See, he understood that his great intellect and incredible achievements isn't what really mattered. So what about Alan Bond then? Is he wise? There's no doubting is there that there was a level of wisdom uh, in the way that he handled that particular situation. I thought that was pretty smart. He applied the knowledge of his situation and human nature to make a wise response. But you can hardly call a man who was sent to jail for fraud and who harmed thousands of people in the process, you can hardly call him a wise man. According to Proverbs' view of wisdom, he was a fool. If you're wise, you'll know your rightful position in God's universe and you'll choose his way. If you act as though God isn't relevant to your life and choose what the world thinks is best, the Bible says that's folly, that's foolishness. If you're not yet following Jesus, he's making that invitation to you today. Do you want to embrace relationship with God, the God who made you, the God who loves you? You don't have to wait. The offer is there for you today. I encourage you to take it seriously. If you're already a Christian, you need to realise that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We need to harness the wisdom that is in Christ and in his word that will enable us to navigate life well. I mean, Christians are sometimes guilty of claiming to follow Jesus but failing to listen to what he says, to running our lives our own way and, and disobeying the wisdom that God's word offers us. And then we wonder why our lives end up in such a mess. And can I say, that's not to say that those who follow Jesus will never suffer or face hard things. Jesus uh, does remind us that in this world, this world which is sinful and is rebellion against him, we will sometimes face pain. We will sometimes face suffering. But Jesus has also reminded us that he has overcome this world and he offers us true life in relationship with him. It's foolish to say that you trust in Jesus and then fail to do what he says. But in general, it's not hard to understand why there's such a lack of wisdom in our world. Most people continue to think that God is not worth their time or energy. And while it's not all plain sailing, surely as Christians, with all the resources of God's wisdom available to us, we should always be growing in wisdom as we navigate life in God's world clinging to relationship with his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God of not just great wisdom, but of incredible mercy, grace, love. 
that you meet us in the mess of our lives. And you show us, as we've been reminded this morning, uh, that to know Christ is better by far. Father, we pray, Lord God, that you would help us to know that only in Christ can we know true wisdom. Only in Christ can there be real relationship. Only in Christ is the hope for all eternity. And only in Christ can we navigate this world in accordance with your will. And so we ask for your help today as we seek to do that as your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, everyone. Uh, and I apologise that I cannot stick around again this morning, but I'm looking forward to the day that I can stay after church and spend some time with you all. Anyway, see you.